there, everybody. Welcome back to the Straight A Nursing Podcast. Thank you so much for listening in. This is Nurse Mo, and today's episode is dedicated to all of you smart, hardworking, stressed out, and amazing first semester nursing students. For many of you, the semester is just starting. And if I remember back to my first semester accurately, you might feel a little bit like you are absolutely drowning. It is the most overwhelming experience, not just adjusting to the schedule, which is intense, but a whole new way of studying a whole new type of test taking, a whole new level of scrutiny by your professors. And then the content, there is a lot of it, and some of it can get quite complex. So it's a bit overwhelming. You might feel like giving up. You might feel like screaming. So I wanted to just do a quick podcast today about finding your zone, getting into the zone and the right frame of mind for nursing school, and really focusing on what's most important. So one of the things that you will be really drilled on in first semester is safe medication administration. And it might sound like, well, how hard is that? I will tell you that med administration is one of the most stressful things you will do. Not only because of the patient safety aspect, but also many schools have a zero tolerance policy when it comes to med errors. I've heard of schools that if you make one single med error, you are kicked out of the program. So obviously, you don't want to make any errors, but knowing the huge price you could pay, not only could a patient get hurt, but your entire career down the drain puts a ton of pressure on you. I'm not saying that pressure is misplaced, but it can overwhelm you. And sometimes when you're feeling extra nervous about something, that's when you make the mistakes, right? So I want you to really, when you're giving meds, when you're practicing giving meds, stay in the moment, okay? I can't stress that enough. Stay in the moment and go slow. Check everything you need to check. Many schools go by the five rights. Some have six or seven. It can get a little excessive knowing the basic rights, you know, so right patient, right time, right med, right dose, right route. I would also add the right indication and the right data. So, for example, if you are giving your patient their Coumadin dose, What data do you need to give that safely? Well, you'd want to make sure that they had their INR checked 
and that the dose was based off that data. If you were giving metoprolol, what data do you need? And you might not know yet. Maybe it's your first day of nursing school. So I'll tell you, for metoprolol, you need to know their blood pressure and their heart rate. So having the data before you give that metoprolol. So it's a lot of things to think about, and it's very easy to get distracted, especially when you're stressed, especially when you're in a rush. When I'm at work, and I'm in a patient's room, and I am trying to administer meds, and the family probably doesn't realize how much thought goes into a medication administration, they'll start talking to you and distracting you and asking you questions. And don't feel like the evil nurse for saying, I know you have questions. I need to focus on giving these meds safely. And then I'd be happy to talk to you about any of your questions and concerns. That way they understand that, oh, giving meds is serious. Oh, you need to focus. Oh, your goal is to keep my family member safe. And they'll appreciate that. And I've never had anybody get upset with me for saying that. They appreciate it. And then you have to follow up. You have to stay true to your word. Take the time to address their concerns, answer their questions, whatever they need. So when you're in skills lab and you're learning safe med administration, I don't want you to think, well, of course, I'm going to check these things. Go through every step. Ingrain it into your soul so that it becomes a part of you, so that you never, ever give a med without knowing who it's for, how much, why, when, how, and what data you need. Safe med administration is key. Doing it wrong can get you kicked out of your nursing school program, and that would be a shame. So, focusing on giving safe meds, key. Also, the drugs that you're giving, learning which medications your patient is taking, which drugs are common for certain illnesses, is really very important. So when you're going to clinical and you're doing your clinical write-ups, your professor might want you to write up your drugs. Sometimes they get tricky and they say, you have to write these up by hand. The reason they want you to write them up by hand is because they want you to look up that drug information every single time so that you really, really get to know it. The things that you're going to be looking at for the drugs that you're giving your patients in clinical are its usual dose. Why? It is prescribed what its indication is. Why is your patient getting that medication? Some of the common side effects. And I would also be aware of maybe uncommon but dangerous or deadly side effects. The monitoring parameters that you're going to utilize when you give this medication. Like, are you watching blood pressure? Are you watching your output, like what are you going to really watch based on this medication that you're giving, Um, any lab values that you need to follow, things like that. So knowing all of those things about each drug you're giving in clinical is super key. 
You're not expected to memorize this information so much. What your professors want to know is that you can understand which data is important and that you know how to access it. The other key thing with the medications that your patient is getting, again, is knowing why they're getting it, okay? I would say that's more important than knowing what, say, for instance, the typical dose range is of a drug. Knowing what the typical dose range is comes into play when you might notice an error. And yes, physicians are people too. They are rushed. And sometimes errors are made. With the widespread use now of computerized charting and ordering ordering systems, it's not probably as common. But just knowing, if you had to know one thing about Lasix, I'd rather you know that it can cause hypotension and hypokalemia versus knowing that the usual doses are like 20 to 40 milligrams. If you had to pick one thing, okay? So the drugs that your patients are getting, something else you really want to pay a lot of attention to, why they're getting it, what you need to watch for, and then having skill at finding the key information you need in a drug reference book, an online pharmacology reference, the pharmacology reference at the hospital, wherever that is. The other thing you will find very helpful to have a solid understanding of is lab values. I'm not talking about just what the numbers are, but what the lab value means. So your tests are going to require that you understand what the normal lab values are. I mean, that's reasonable. You have to understand that facilities will determine their normal values based on their data, or whatever resource they're using. So for example, you might hear that a potassium level is normal when it's 3.5 to 5.5, but you might go to your clinical and you get a lab result back that says the potassium is 5.2 and it says it's high because that hospital thinks a normal potassium is 3.5 to 5. So it's going to vary a little bit, but not so much that you'll be lost by thinking a normal K is around 3.5 to 5.5, okay? Now, what I would say is important to know with your labs is when they get scary. So you would want to know that a potassium level of 2 is scary. A potassium level of 7 is scary. Even more important than that is why. So as you're learning your labs, I want you to focus on have a general idea of what the safe levels are and then have a really good idea of what the danger levels are and what they mean for your patient. What are you going to watch for if your patient's potassium level is 2? What are you going to do about a potassium level of two? Okay, so when it comes to labs, when it comes to electrolytes, basic idea of the normal values, a more keen idea of the danger values, 
and an absolutely sharp idea of what you're going to watch for and what you're going to do about it. Okay. Another thing that you really want to pay a lot of attention to is your physiology. You took an anatomy and physiology course to get into nursing school and chances are you did really well in those classes. So it doesn't stop there. Now you're going to take that physiology knowledge and develop an understanding of the pathophysiology. Some places have a separate pathophysiology course. In my school, pathophys was taught concurrent with the med surge topics as we went along, so it was all incorporated into it. But the point is, you can't understand pathophysiology unless you understand physiology. Understanding the physiology and the pathophysiology is what makes the huge difference between memorizing and understanding. If you memorize, for instance, renal failure and the complications, that doesn't mean you understand any of it. But if you know what the kidneys do when they're healthy and what they don't do when they're sick, then you understand how this comes into play with other body systems, other things your patient may have going on, it makes your studying much easier because once you understand something, it's going to live more in that long-term memory part of your brain. If you've simply memorized something, you take your exam and then it's gone because you're not using information you don't understand. So pay attention to physiology and pathophysiology for everything that you study for your disease processes, systems, however your school organizes them. And you'll find that as you get into your advanced med surge and your pediatrics, which has some fascinating pathophysiology, then you will be way ahead of the game. You'll actually probably enjoy your med search classes even more. And then you'll be able to take what you've learned and apply it in clinical and get a lot more out of that clinical experience. Another thing to focus on, do well in, spend energy on, are your skills. So you will have a skills course skills lab of some kind. Don't take this time lightly, okay? This is hands-on practice time. When you're in clinical, you might not get a chance to pop in an OG tube or an NG tube. If you do get the opportunity, by all means, do it. You know, grab your nurse, grab your clinical professor and and get that in there. But you might not. So take skills lab very seriously. Perform your skills on the mannequins as though they are real people. Talk to them just like you would a real person. Explain what you're doing. By explaining what you're doing and why you're doing it, you're learning as you're doing it. 
if there's open skills lab time, which my school had open skills lab time to go in and practice, whatever, take advantage of that. Get in there. You will also have simulation lab, which can be, for many people, really stressful. We all found it really stressful because it felt like a performance in a way. But the idea of sim lab is not to judge yourself, judge your classmates, think less of anyone who didn't know what to do in an emergency. This is your chance to practice and fail without hurting anyone. So if you look at SimLab that way, you're going to learn a lot from it. You'll have so much more fun doing it. And then when the real thing happens, when you're clinical or on the job as a new nurse, you're not as scared. So focusing on those skills, really important. Practice in the lab, practice with a friend when it's appropriate, and approach SimLab as a joyful learning experience and not the nerve-wracking stress bomb that we all thought it was. And then the other huge thing to focus on in nursing school is you want to build your ability to do awesome and thorough assessments. Having solid assessment skills I would say is the key thing for being a good nurse. It makes the biggest difference in patient care. So you'll have a probably have a whole class based on assessments, adult assessment. Um, There'll be a pediatric assessment. I don't remember if that was a whole class or if that was just incorporated into um, like our skills for peds, but you'll definitely get a lot of practice doing assessments on mannequins. So here's what I say to that. The mannequins sound really obvious, okay? I want you to get your stethoscope, hands, eyes, whatever on as many people of as many sizes, ages, shapes, and disease processes that you can. So, for instance, when I was in first semester and we were practicing our very first assessment, which was uh, just taking vital signs, right? Temp, pulse, respirations. I practiced on all my classmates. Well, maybe not all of them, but as many that would let me because you know what? Everyone has different pulses. Some people are really easy to feel their pulses. Some people have tiny little weak pulses. Some people's veins are, or arteries are practically bounding with the pulse. Maybe someone's dehydrated and you can barely feel it. Maybe, you know, that big guy with a lot of adipose tissues, lungs are going to be harder to hear than somebody who's a lot smaller, for instance. So just getting your ears, hands, eyes on as many people, size, shapes, disease processes that you can is going to help you become great at doing assessments. So when you're in clinical, if you have time and your nurse has other patients that are amenable to you coming in and just, you know, 
listening to their lungs or listening to their heart sounds or whatever it is, get in there and do it. If you hear that someone's got crepitus, for instance, get in there and feel it so you know what it feels like. I don't know if the mannequins have crepitus. They maybe try, but it's not going to feel like the real thing. If um, a nurse is concerned that her patients lost their pulses, then get in there with the Doppler and, and learn how to use the Doppler so you can find a, a very weak pulse or maybe the pulse is absent and they need to go to surgery. Get a good stethoscope. You don't have to spend hundreds of dollars. I think the stethoscope I had as a student that I still use today costs about $90, $95. It's a Lippmann Master Classic II. It's a great stethoscope. The Lippmann makes a whole line of stethoscopes. I would say if you're planning to go and do cardiology, like a CVICU kind of situation, you might want to get a, a, a more high-end cardiovascular stethoscope. I believe PEDS stethoscopes might be different. Honestly, I don't really know much about PEDS and babies. I uh, loved those classes but knew I would never work with that population, so... That information has completely left my brain for the most part. I do believe maybe they're like uh, shorter tubings or something. So there might be some specialized stuff that you might want to get. But for basic stuff for nursing school, if you can afford a $90 stethoscope, get uh, get a Lippmann. They're great. Um, don't rely on the disposable stethoscopes in the hospital that we take into isolation rooms. They are complete and total garbage. Just bite the bullet and get your own. So those are key things that I would say when you're studying to really focus on those core things. This will help you take care of your patients safely. It will help you learn every time you are in clinical or skills lab so that you can really maximize your time as you're there and then apply it in clinical and then on the job. Of course, nursing school is not just about the content that you are learning. It's also about juggling an intense schedule, staying on top of mountains of assignments and quizzes and projects, um, juggling multiple priorities, tons of paperwork, tons of tasks. So if you find that organization is not your strong suit, then you might want to check out the planner that I've created that is for nursing students. At this time, it is rather girly. So if you're not into colorful things, you might not love it. But um, if that appeals to you, then you can check it out. You can go to my website, straightanursingstudent.com, and go up to the top. There's a shop part of the uh, header. Uh, click on that. You'll go to the planner and then you, you can look at it, check it out. And then you, it'll take you over to the Etsy store where they're for sale right now. So I, re I am recording this in September of 2017. So right now, the planners that date from July to June of next year are on sale because I'm about to come out with the January planner. So they're on sale right now for $10.50. It is a PDF file. You do still need to have it printed. I provide instructions for an online printer that you can use that is extremely reasonable and get that sent to you as a pre-printed, coiled, etc. piece of awesomeness that I personally can say 
will change your life and keep you super organized. So that's one way that you can, you know, stay on top of things while you're in nursing school. I've also got some premium notes and free notes available at straightanursingstudent.com. So the free notes are the ones that I used when I was in nursing school. They are, I'm not going to lie, they're full of typos. You know, it's what I wrote up. I was in a hurry. I was a student just like you guys, really busy. But I did take that extra time to um, go back after class, rewrite my notes, make them all neat and tidy, fill in missing gaps, look up information online to augment my understanding. And they are really good. They are really good. Um, The premium notes, I took those standard notes and in some cases where I didn't have standard notes, but I knew it was a really important topic and made them even better, uh, more updated information, more expansion on difficult concepts, tables and graphs, things like that. So they're 99 cents right now. I mean, that's practically free. Some of them are 12, 14 pages long of, of amazing content that you can use to study for your exams. Augment your own notes. I don't want you to not take notes in class unless your brain doesn't work that way. Some people learn very well by listening. So if you're one of those people and you just want to listen, then do that and then go get my notes to supplement. You'd be in a win-win-win situation. So I also want to put out there that there is a slight correction to the respiratory podcast. Someone was kind enough to point out a goofy error that I made. And sometimes, guys, my mouth goes faster than my brain. I have since corrected that podcast. So if you have downloaded the When to Intubate Your Patient podcast within the last, I don't know, two weeks or so in the month of September 2017 on, I've corrected it. But if you have it and it's from the prior feed. When I get to the part where I talk about intubating for a respiratory uh, rate being too low, you can ignore what I say there about the um, respiratory rate being eight or below. Wipe that out of your head. I was thinking about the Glasgow Coma score, but my wires got really crossed and I apologize. I do hope that my miss. Speaking of that did not cause anyone any confusion or any trouble in clinicals or anywhere else or on any exams. I solely apologize. So if you guys ever hear anything that doesn't make sense or that you think is wrong, I am human. I do make mistakes. We are always constantly learning as we go. Let me know so that we can correct it and fix it. Maybe there's new updated information out there on a topic and you think it's really important. Let me know. I will update it. I am so happy to do that. So I guess that's enough for today. I hope that helps you guys that are just starting out. Um, Hang in there. It gets better, right? Because I think the fall semester, you guys probably get a Thanksgiving break. (laughs) So it gets better right around Thanksgiving break. I think I usually spent my Thanksgiving break getting caught up on things. And then it was time for finals. And then you have another break. So there you go. Hang in there. Stay on top of things. Do not let yourselves fall behind. I cannot stress that enough. Don't fall behind. Stay focused. Get your sleep. Take care of yourself. Eat good food. Drink enough water. Do something every day that puts joy in your heart. Even if it's 10 minutes of playing with your dog or FaceTiming your niece or 
dancing to your favorite song. 10 minutes at the very least. Something that brings you joy. See a friend. Call a friend. Go to yoga. That's not 10 minutes, though. That's like an hour at least. But anyway, take care of yourselves. Hang in there. And then check back next week where we will, I believe, we will be picking back up with our electrolytes. If you've been following along, we've been talking about electrolytes. We've done some potassium and calcium, some mag and chloride. Coming up next, sodium and phos. And then after that, we'll be talking about hemodynamic medications which is one of the most interesting subjects out there. And then we'll be talking about doing a fabulous head-to-toe assessment. Later on in the month of October, we'll talk about the PF ratio. I believe we might might expand that out to a little bit of a broader um, respiratory topic, but just so you know, something to look forward to. And uh, yeah, and on and on and on we go. So thanks, guys. Take care and have an amazing day. This podcast is brought to you by straightanursingstudent.com. Copyright Mo Media.